0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 119. Perhaps no cruise ship other than Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas has garnered as much attention this year, and this week, I've returned from my two-night adventure on Anthem of the Seas to share with you my entire experience. It was a terrific experience, and it really changed the way that I look at the Quantum Class ships. Let's talk about my many experiences, dining, entertainment, and basically everything else in between on this week's episode. Here we go. I think if you listen to this podcast for a little bit now, you probably have heard me talk a lot about my experiences on Quantum of the Seas, the first Quantum class ship that Royal Caribbean built, and that happened over the course of last year, about just about this time in fact, and earlier in 2015 when I sailed on her as part of the Royal Caribbean blog group cruising. you know, I really did enjoy Quantum of the Seas, I thought it was a great ship. Did it make my top list of ships out there and some of the ships that I really, really, really loved? Maybe not. Uh, I'm not sure that it was quite to that level, so... When I had the opportunity to go on Anthem of the Seas, I had basically all my expectations were based on what I experienced on Quantum of the Seas. And going on my two night adventure on Anthem of the Seas, I think I really blew past all my expectations on here. There was something about Anthem of the Seas that just resonated with me so much more than her than her sister ship Quantum of the Seas. And I, and I don't know what it is. I can't sit here and tell you exactly an X Y Z as to why Anthem. Was so much better experience than her sister ship, and this is something that I actually found with a lot of other folks as well. Came away with the same kind of reaction, and it kind of you know it got to me, got me thinking. In fact, what is it about this ship that I really really enjoyed? And maybe the best way to do it is talk about my experiences and kind of go through the entire thing, and and hopefully that this will come out and show you why I really loved Anthem of the Seas. Now we sailed on a two night cruise at a Bayonne, New Jersey, Cape Liberty. And it was, right, it was a two-night media cruise that I was a guest of Royal Caribbean's for, and we basically were in port for the first day for most of the day, and then in the evening we left, sailed up the Hudson River past Statue of Liberty, all the way up alongside Manhattan essentially, and all the way really until Midtown, turned around and then left New York Harbor and then spent most of the rest of the cruise out on somewhere in the Atlantic near the coast of New Jersey. So certainly not a cruise that we were going to any ports or anything, so this is very much about the on-ship experience. And Anthem of the Seas was built to be a destination in and of itself. This is something that Royal Caribbean has been doing since really for a long time, but the Oasis-class ships really define that, and the Quantum-class ships continue that. My reaction to Anthem of the Seas, the first reaction that I've had, something that I kept on telling everybody when anyone asked me on board, hey, Matt, what do you think of Anthem of the Seas, is it's a beautiful ship. And what I mean by that is everywhere you go, no matter if you're in the Solarium or you're on the Royal Esplanade or in your stateroom or just on a hallway, maybe you're in North Star, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is it's an absolutely beautiful-looking ship. Anthem of the Seas and its sister ship, Quantum of the Seas, do not look like other Royal Caribbean ships typically do. Now, it's not to say they don't have Royal Caribbean touches to them. No, no. I think if you were to be blindfolded, dropped on the ship, and not told anything about and try to guess what ship you're on and any line you're on, I think you can pretty much figure out you're on a Royal Caribbean ship, but it doesn't look like just another Voyager-class ship, just another Freedom-class ship. And what I like about the look and feel of Anthem of the Seas is that it is that different look to it. It's that... okay. I, I, my, my favorite One of my favorite metaphors is je ne sais quoi. It's it's French for I don't know what it is, but it, there's this thing about Anthem that just... It, it looks and it evokes a sense of beauty and elegance to it, and I really do enjoy that. And so that really was probably the primary thing that I really enjoyed about Anthem of the Seas, and that really got me thinking about it a lot. Now, if I were to say, what what does Anthem of the Seas do best? What is Anthem of the Seas great for? There are two things that come to mind. One is dining, and one is entertainment. Those are the two biggies that I really feel are major components as to what makes the Quantum class such a great vacation opportunity for you, and I think the dining and entertainment are really, really well refined on here, and maybe this goes back to this, why did I enjoy Anthem maybe a little bit more than even Quantum of the Season? I think for a lot of things, you know, Quantum of the Season was the first ship in the class, right? So it's the first get-go. It's version 1.0, okay? And it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, the first iteration of anything is going to have some trials and tribulations about it, and certainly we've covered that here on the podcast and on royalcaribbeanblog.com. So it's not like this is a secret that there were some growing pains with Quantum of the Seas. And I think that, you know, certainly by the time we got to our group cruise in March, they had gone past a lot of them and and fixed a lot of these things. With all that being said, I feel like Anthem of the Seas, you know, essentially the 2.0 version of the Quantum Class ships really capitalized on a lot of those lessons. And you see here a very streamlined experience. And this goes back to the dining and the entertainment on board. The dining on board, you know, In terms of what's available, in terms of restaurants, virtually identical to what's on Quantum of the Seas, but the experience was tremendous for me. I really enjoyed everything about the dining experience. I mean, look, let's be honest here. (laughs) Again, if you listen to this podcast, you know I love to eat on a cruise ship. I love cruise ship dining. To me, there is nothing better than that. I love being able to explore new dishes, revisit favorites, and on Anthem of the Seas, Boy, there's a lot of great dining on board. Not as many as the Oasis class, certainly. The Oasis class just has a ton of stuff on here, but Anthem of the Seas I really think blends well what is included in your cruise fare and what has a little bit of extra cost to it. And I think that when you look at it all, and you and I, and I think that you know it, it kind of comes together to give the guest a really complete experience. Now, you don't have to eat at the specialty dining. You don't have to pay an extra dollar for any food on board, but I think a lot of people do that, and that's certainly evidenced by if you listen to any of the Royal Caribbean earnings calls, Onboard spending has never been higher. Guests seem to really enjoy that, and that's something you do. I mean, I think that no matter who you are, I think most people at least go out to maybe one meal, or they'll buy some drinks on board, whatever the case may be, but they're going to be, the bottom line is they're spending money on food in some way or another, and that is something that Anthem of the Season is great for. I had an unbelievable meal at Izumi, one of the best. Now, I should add a caveat to my meal here at Izumi in that sense that it was prepared by Izumi Master Chef Travis Kamiyama, who actually had an interview with on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I'll post a link in the show notes to it. Travis is an amazing chef, and he actually prepared our meal for us on the spot. This was something we walked into the restaurant. And they he took our menus from us and said, "I'm just let me know what you you know if you're allergic to anything, and otherwise the rest of the meal was created for us." Now, is that a typical experience? Is something that you know another anyone listening to this podcast can can hope to do? Likely not. But let's face it. I mean, he's working with the same ingredients that Izumi has on there, and based on my experiences in Izumi on Quantum of the Seas, boy, I'll tell you this is still a great place to go for food, and it just shows you the kind of level of quality taste and experience you can find in these specialty restaurants. And it's just one of those things that really resonated with me a lot. And this is true of almost all the dining on board. The complimentary restaurants, I had my first time actually at Chic. I'd never eaten at Chic before on Quantum of the Sea, so I got my, my chance to here. It's a beautiful restaurant, one of the most comfortable chairs in any restaurant I've ever been at. I don't know, you know, in terms of a sit-down restaurant, they've got amazing chairs. I need to get those chairs for my house. <laughs> but it's you know a great food all around. Of course, we love all the food that you can get in the Royal Esplanade, right? Uh, Sorrento's, Cafe Promenade. Boy, they've got some great choices there. La Patisserie, which is the coffee shop, essentially, on the Royal Esplanade. Kind of kind of the... It, instead of having a, a formal Starbucks, it's just Royal Caribbean's new-ish coffee shop. Anyway, they've got some great desserts there. The Windjammer food was amazing. I loved it. There was a Build Your Own Reuben station. Does it get any better than a Build Your Own Reuben station if... Zoomy Master Chef Travis Kamiyama is not making it for you? I think not. I think not. <laughs> I mean, just everything from start to finish I absolutely loved about the food on board. So dining really to me is gives you the most flexibility, and I love, love, love the new dynamic dining choice because this is the new option that Rokerman's added. Remember, when Rokerman first introduced dynamic dining, it was this concept, well, there's no more main dining room, and you just book reservations or show up to a restaurant that is either complimentary or specialty and you just pick your time whatever's convenient for you, you either reserve something or you just show up well through some trials and tribulations Royal Caribbean realized there were still a percentage of people a good percentage of guests that still enjoy the a more traditional dining experience so they added dynamic dining choice and this gives you the opportunity to basically have a set time and you rotate through the restaurants you still get to choose different restaurants of the complimentary restaurants but the difference is your wait staff and your table mates follow you through each restaurant. So if you're eating at Chic on day one and then you're at the Grand the next day, you're going to have the same weight staff, same table mates, and, but it's just a different restaurant. And it's this rotational dining thing really, I think, is a great idea for someone like myself who prefers the traditional dining experience. But for a lot of folks that really like that more, to borrow a term from a competing, competing cruise line, a more freestyle dining experience, then you're really going to enjoy, I think, what the dynamic dining choice option is, which allows you that... Scenario I described in the beginning, which was first introduced, where you just—it's almost like dining at your own in your own town, right? You, it's you know, you you go on, on any evening out, and you either make a reservation in advance, like you call, up, hey, I'd like to go to you know so and so, can you make a reservation for four? Or you just show up and deal with whatever line happens to be there. And I think they're very efficient with it. And so, in short, dining was really great on there. Now, entertainment is something thing that really blew me away on, on Anthem of the Season. This one. I was just, again, I said, blown away, amazed. I don't know what adjective you want me to use, but the entertainment on board was phenomenal. You have, of course, the highlight is We Will Rock You, the West End show that plays in the Royal Theater, which my wife is a big Broadway fan, and she said the first 30 minutes or so, she thought this might actually be a dud show. She didn't really enjoy it. She thought the plot was kind of weird and silly, but then it turned, and it became a really fun and energetic show that just, at the end of it, she couldn't get enough of it, and she loved it. And in fact, a lot of other guests said the same thing. I think basically the premise of the show kind of sounds a little silly, but regardless, once you get into it, it really turns the corner and ramps up. And my wife and, and I really just enjoy I I think it's a great show and one of the best things that are out there. Now, that's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you have my favorite place for entertainment, and if you boy, you need to go there all the time. Two seventy. What they've done with 270 is absolutely amazing, whether it's the Vistarama a Robo Show. Maybe it's just like a demonstration in 270. Perhaps it is Spectre's Cabaret or Starwater on, on obviously, Quantum of the The level of entertainment, the amount of stuff that you can do in 270 just blows me away because I'm used to, like, a Royal Theater experience. Let's go back to that, right? The Royal Theater usually has... You know, a show or two in the evening, right? And that's about it. You might have maybe on 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 the other day, you might have, let's say, two shows on there, right? Uh, A feature show, and maybe something in the afternoon, bingo, whatever the case may be. But not a lot. 270, there is always something going on. And I told my wife, you know, probably within a couple hours of being on board, when in doubt, if we don't know what we should do or we've got 10 minutes to kill or whatever the case may be, we're going to 270 because there was always something going on there. And it was something that I absolutely remember from Quantum of the Seas, but on Anthem of the Seas, they've added some brand new entertainment, especially the Vistorama and the Robo Show stuff, and it just blew me away. I could not believe what I was seeing. I was geeking out. I mean, I was like like a little kid. I wish I recorded some of this, of just me just telling my wife, can you believe this? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like I could not believe what I was seeing, the amazing visuals and the creative use of music, and technology to give guests really just this something I've never seen before, and that is you know Royal Caribbean is always about those wow moments, right? That's their that's been their marketing slogan for I don't know how long, right? Royal wow, wowing guests, all that. This is what wowing is all about. If you want to go to Two Seventy, you will see that as well, and that absolutely that that took me and and I enjoyed it so much. So the entertainment and dining. Huge. Now there's there's more. I didn't even. I'm still not scratching. You know, I'm just scratching the surface of all this. Music Hall is a happening spot. It is the best spot if you want to get down and, and have a really fun time. We had a great band on there. Music Hall is traditionally used in the evenings for a tribute band. We actually had two tribute bands on our cruise. We had Wild Eighties Boys, which plays eighties music, and Phoenix, which plays classic rock. And they they cover great songs. I just first of all, the place was packed because people were just enjoying it. People were actually dancing. You know, you've, I'm sure you've all been to some places, some parties on board where it's like a sixth grade dance You know, where boys are on one side, girls on the other side, and you're just all looking at each other. No, people were in there. They were dancing. They have a great time. I love this idea because Music Hall is about taking cover bands and putting them there so they can play your favorite songs, and it sounds amazing. So Great time in music hall. Obviously, then there's speaking of live music. There's just a number of live music acts all over the ship, and I just love that live music. We were in Boleros one night. We just want to get a drink. We weren't even going for the music, right? And we show up there in the evening. It's let's say it's four or five o'clock, whatever the case may be. And there is a live band. Now, usually, I'm used to Boleros playing live dance music, right? Latin-themed music, you know, with you know more of an upbeat tempo. But instead in the early evening, they had jazz in there that was essentially Latin themed as well, but it was just beautiful to listen to It would just have as basically background music to enjoy with your drink. So I had my frozen mojito and then I was listening to some great jazz classics in there and it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. And then later that evening, then enter the dancing uh, Latin and salsa merengue type music that you know I've come to accustomed to having on, an, on in a Boleros on a Royal Caribbean ship. That was, you know, obviously such a huge part of it. And there was music just everywhere. Oh, how about the Stowaway Piano Player? Something brand new to Anthem of the Sea. So basically the concept is, at any given time, in one of the elevators, you're going to find a Stowaway Piano Player who's got a, essentially a mobile piano that he can play. And he's got all sorts of tricks he does. It's so cool. My wife got a chance to see him. I saw him as he was passing by and I shook my fist angrily. I was like, no! Come back, you! <laughs> I just couldn't get it over to the elevator bank in time to be able to, to hop in there because it was packed anyway. I probably wouldn't be able to fit in, but boy, it's a great idea and they have just so much entertainment on board that you know, you've know you got the DreamWorks experience on, on Anthem of the Seas. It it's all combines together to just give a Really amazing package that's just unbelievable. I mean, I guess where you have to include the onboard activities with entertainment when we talk about that because you've got a lot. Let's, you know, let's talk about that because, of course, there's some really great, essentially, experiences that are either unique to Anthem of the Seas or just the quantum class. And, you know, you're talking about obviously North Star, and I've done North Star a couple times on Quantum of the the Seas, but I got Anthem of the Seas, I went straight there. And loved it. It is still a thrilling experience that whether you're doing it for your first time or you're doing it like me for like my fourth or fifth time, it's still amazing. I don't care who you are. It is beautiful. It is breathtaking. And it is something that you can just, you can do over and over and over again. And I just love it. I think it's, it's one of the best things that Royal has ever done. i probably think when I, if I can be honest with you, when they probably announced it idea of North Star, I probably didn't give it as much credit as I definitely do now because it is a really cool idea and it is just. Again, it's something that you can't do anywhere else, and it, it really makes a big difference. Now, you have the other two big things. You've got Ripcord by iFly and the Flow Rider. things that, let's be honest, Matt is not doing because Matt lacks coordination, and Matt is a scaredy cat. But I do recognize that it is extremely fun for a lot of folks to do, and I enjoy watching it as a spectator sport. It's a great thing to be able to do. Sit out there's great benches that are right in back of the flow rider that give you a perfect view of not just who's on the flow rider but also what's happening in Ripcord and it is just it's a great place and I think that a lot of people were talking about this. And this was true also on Quantum Cities, but these are experiences that are totally important. And I think another experience that's really unique to the Quantum class but but also underrated is the Seaplex. The Cplex is this sports zone that essentially replaces the idea of having just a sports deck, right? Which is a basketball court that you can do a bunch of things on here. Having the sport Cplex, whoever thought of this idea instead of having a sports deck is a genius. I'm just telling you right now because it makes it so much easier and more inviting to be able to do these things, whether you're playing ping pong roller skating, bumper cars, playing Xbox Live, table hockey, it doesn't matter. There is always something cool going on. You've got parties in there. You can play basketball. You can play volleyball. You can play dodgeball. Oh, yeah, memories from high school. Here I come. <laughs> you know, all of this is possible in Cplex, and I love that it's indoors because that makes it climate-controlled. It's not too hot outside. It's not too cold outside. It's not too windy. No matter what. You can always do it in there, and it's it's really just a great place. And I think that I've always said, I think, on this podcast that teens really enjoy the C-Plex, but you know, even as an adult, I found myself spending a lot of time here in C-Plex, and I think that, for good reason, it absolutely makes sense in terms of you know why they, they did this and everything about it flows so, so well, so I really enjoyed that uh, in addition to that. Now, the other, there's a lot of other things that we're talking about. We, we just don't have time for everything, but there is so much more in terms of what I really love about Anthem Uh In our stateroom, we had a D3 balcony that I think was obstructed view, technically. We were on deck six, and what I mean by obstructed view was our balcony looked out. You could see everything fine if you were just looking straight out or straight up. But if you tried to look down, your view was somewhat blocked by the outdoor Jamie's Italian seating that was over there. And I think technically that's an obstructed balcony. But let me tell you right now, you should absolutely book that kind of a stateroom because it does not matter it's obstructing very little, and it was still beautiful, g- good amount of space. But when we're talking about space, the space inside the stateroom is so really impressive. And that's something that my wife picked up on almost immediately was how much more storage there was. She said to me – we went on the cruise, I think as many of you know, without our kids. And she says to me, why don't we have our kids here? We actually have enough space for all their stuff for once. <laughs> and they really got it right with the, uh, with, with the storage and maximizing your storage in the staterooms on Anthem of the Seas. And I think many of you also know I'm a huge fan of virtual balconies. I think they're vastly underrated and they never get as much attention as they deserve. And obviously Anthem of the Seas has some beautiful ones. I was a chance to go into one of them and and see them again for myself. And I just, I loved it. I think it is so beautiful. I love the flexibility of having on or off, especially like this is the scenario I always give people, you know, imagine this, you're going to sleep. So you turn off the virtual balconies, you get that pitch black, which is awesome for sleeping. You wake up in the morning, all right, you know how it goes in the morning. You don't want to just hop out of bed and run around necessarily. So sometimes you like to, you know, stretch, just kind of take it all in and, you know, relax a little bit before you wake up. Really, and what I love about having a virtual balcony is you, you have a remote for the virtual balcony. You put it right by your your bed, and in the morning you just grab it, turn on the virtual balcony, and that way you don't have to worry about you know, in a traditional sense, you'd have to go open up the curtains to be able to get some light in there. But here, from the comfort of your bed, you can see what the weather is like outside or what it's looking like at least. And get that sense of, hey, this is where we are. Oh, look, we're in port. I can see, you know, the port facility in here. Or we're out to sea. Boy, it looks like another beautiful day. Whatever it is, that's important. Uh, Also interesting, not related necessarily specifically to Anthem of the Seas, but something I did for the first time on Anthem of the Seas. I woke up for a sunrise. I've always talked about doing this, and I never did it because, I think like many of you, no one likes waking up at, you know, 5 a.m. to do it. But I did it. I woke up at, I think, about 5.30 in the morning. You know, my wife was sound asleep, got myself dressed, went up to the pool deck, and it w- it was cloudy, so it wasn't the beautiful, pe- picturesque sunrise I was hoping for, but it doesn't matter because the colors of the sky and how it reflects off the ship was absolutely beautiful. I'm thinking I needed to make sunrise experiences a little more into my routine when I go on a Royal Caribbean cruise because it was just a wonderful time on there, and I really did enjoy that, and I think it really did a, you know, it was something cool to do, something I'd never done before. And that I really enjoyed, but you know, again, there's there's a lot that's more that's on this ship. We use Voom, and once we were out to sea, Voom was amazing. I was able to share uh, lots of photos, videos. I did Periscope a number of times on Anthem of the Seas, and so many of you joined me for that and and shared and liked and commented. So, guys, first of all, big thank you to everybody who helped me. uh, Whether you were just sharing your your thoughts, asking me a question. Helping me out. Whatever the case may be, just the fact that you were there and helping, being with me there virtually, I love that. And this is why we have such great community here on Royal Caribbean Blog. And that's why you're all my friends. Because we have such a great time when we're having a virtual cruise together. So, big thank you to the Royal Caribbean Blog insiders and the Royal Caribbean Blog community out there that were just so supportive of everything that was going on. I really cannot understate how... Impressive and how fun it was having you all there with me. I really did feel like you guys were there, so thank you all so much. And obviously, VOOM Internet makes that all happen. Yeah, I made. I say I brought that all full circle. VOOM, all of you guys—that's what it's all about, right? And you know, I guess in summary, if we're trying to wrap things up here about Anthem of the Seas, it's a great ship, and this is my bottom line. So you know, you hear me talk about a lot of different things, right? But here's my bottom line: I am really really, really rethinking my entire strategy about Anthem of the Seas because I think that going into this cruise, I was going to go on this two-nighter. I was probably going to have a good time, but I wasn't sure that I was ever going to get on Anthem of the Seas anytime soon again. I am really rethinking this because I had such a great time. I could see my kids having a wonderful time in here as well. The kids' facilities, by the way, we, we were able to tour those and walk through them. They are absolutely amazing. The best on any Royal Caribbean ship, Bar none. If you've got the nursery is amazing. My my soon to be five year old is gonna absolutely love Adventure Ocean there. It's just the facilities. Every this is true of every ship. When they build a new class of ships, Royal Caribbean makes the Adventure Ocean and kids' facilities in general larger, obviously newer, and adds more to them. So it definitely makes a big difference here. But I again I'm really really thinking this idea of when can I go back on Anthem Seas, Before it might have been like, well. Eventually, maybe I'll go back on board. Now my thought is, I've got to go back. I want to go back. And now I'm even more excited for, I think as many of you know, Royal Caribbean is building not only just Ovation of the Seas, which is the third Quantum Class ship, but also a fourth and now fifth class of Quantum Class ships that are going to be coming out in 2019 and 2020, respectively. So, you know, it's going to be exciting. And I think that odds are we're going to get another Quantum Class ship here in the United States whether it's Quantum 4 or Quantum 5, we're not sure, but that that's still a long time away. I would love to get back on Anthem of the Seas again and I'm really rethinking my entire, you know, plans for this because I had such a great time. I I need to I need more 270. I need more I need more of the dynamic dining classic in my life. I need I need there were so many experiences on here that I just want to do again. So for that reason, uh, I really need to check that out and that's why it really stuck with me and something that I just You know, now I guess all I can say is I can't wait for my next cruise on Anthem of the Seas. Each week, I invite all of you to join me here virtually on Royal Caribbean Blog to talk Royal Caribbean together. And we always like to start with recognizing those that support the podcast through our iTunes reviews. Boy, that's really important. I've got two to read for you this week. First is from Jim and Jen, who writes, my wife and I took our first cruise in November 2014. Unfortunately, we spent more time with the ship docks than in the pools. But... We're signed up for April 2016 on Liberty of the Seas, and I've binged 100-plus episodes of Matt's terrific show to get ready for our next experience. Matt is full of great tips, he's funny, and his information both on the show and on his blog are getting us excited about our crews more and more informed about our opinions. So that's uh, Jim from Oklahoma, and here at PS, we did enjoy some labadoozies. Nice, Jim and Jen. Thank you all so much. And we also got a review from Be Ready, where I look forward to each week to a new episode, have been listening for almost two years and learned something every episode. Matt's love of Royal Caribbean cruises is contagious, and I can't wait for my next cruise. Keep up the good work, Matt. Wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate those reviews. Boy, those reviews just help other folks in iTunes find the reviews, and you know we get more folks in here. And it's always more fun with more people. That's what I always say. And, of course, I've got your emails to read. So if you want to have your email read here on Royal Caribbean Blog, just email me, matt, M-A-T-T, at blog.com. Our first email this week is from Wesley Purdy from Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. I found your podcast about two months ago and have been listening to every episode and have enjoyed it immensely. I'm actually feeling a little sad knowing that I only have six episodes to go until I'm up to date, which means I'll then have to wait a week between episodes. I'm hoping to go on my first cruise ever with Royal Caribbean out of Brisbane on Legend of the Seas in 2017. This will be for a combined 40th birthday between my brother-in-law and myself and a family holiday with my parents, my sister and her family and my wife and daughter. I know you've traveled with young kids. My question is, when traveling with an infant that requires bottle feeding, is the ship's water supply suitable? And are you able to get a kettle for boiling water to make baby formula available in our stateroom? Keep the good work, and I look forward to listening to future episodes. Well, I've certainly been in that kind of a situation, and I don't think we actually warmed our bottles. I was talking with my wife. The only thing we could think of is either we gave it to her at room temperature, or we ran it under hot water in the sink and basically warmed it up that way. Obviously, that's gonna take a little longer than a I mean, a bottle warmer's are very efficient at doing this. If you run it over under hot water in this thing, it just takes longer, but it can happen. You're not going to be able to bring a bottle warmer or anything like that on board their, their fire risk. Any of those electrical things, they just any kind of appliance like that, you know, it really doesn't happen. So that's kind of the reason for that. So ba- that'd probably be your best way of doing it. I'm not sure, in fact, I know that a lot of these bottles may not be safe to be microwaved, so... If you can, you could theoretically maybe go talk to uh, someone at maybe the Winjamer or somewhere else and think, "Hey, can we do that?" But I think warming it under the hot water might be the best thing to do. And uh, you know, the other thing for us, if it's formula, you can just put hot water in there to begin with, and that's a kind of another easy way to do that. So between those two methods, I think you'll be fine. And uh, Wes, in terms of is this water safe? I mean, we did it to both of our children, and they're still here, so I think that it's pretty safe. So hopefully that helps you out there, Wes. Thank you. Our next question comes from Angie from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I believe Angie hangs out on Periscope all the time, so big what up to Angie. I'm so excited. We've just booked our first Royal Caribbean cruise, third overall. My daughter, 12th time sailing, and I will be going on Alaska next July on Explorer of the Seas, sailing in the Sawyer Glacier itinerary. I want to thank you for your very informative podcast I've been listening since the beginning, knowing one day we'd be sailing on Royal Caribbean and everything I had been listening to would come in handy. I've learned so much from listening to you and I look forward to researching the itinerary we're sailing on. I've seen so many questions starting to come to mind, but... The one I thought I'd run by you now is what do you think or know about changes on the ship that change the itinerary or destination? Do you think the show's activities I find on the current cruise camps, etc., will be similar to Explorer's current offerings, or will it be more likely to be similar to the current Alaskan Sawyer Glacier cruises on the Jewel Disease? In other words, do things typically follow the ship or the itinerary? We'll have a good time no matter what, but I was just curious as to your thoughts on what happens when a ship moves to different destinations. I'd also love to hear an episode where you provide an example of overview of Explorer of the seas, I looked back at the archives and didn't see one, especially with the recent enhancements. Wow, great email, Angie. So, does the ship experience change when it goes to different destinations? So, in this case, going Explorer the Seas, going to Alaska. The answer is it sometimes does, sometimes it doesn't. Good example of this was Radiance of the Seas, it used to have a a Rita's Cantina, which is the Mexican-style restaurant that's on a couple of other ships, in fact. And then when she went to Alaska starting, I believe, last year, in last year being 2014, I know the Alaska season's already over for 2015, but let's say 2014, or maybe might have been 2013, nonetheless, they actually, Royal Kirby transformed that restaurant It went from being Rita's Cantina to Rita's Crab Shack, and then when Radiant Season went back, left Alaska, it went back to being Rita's Cantina, and then it's gone back and forth. So that's an example of a situation where it does change. And certainly we've seen that with Quantum of the Seas when she went over to China. A lot of restaurants change. That's a more of an extreme example, I think, because that's a totally different experience. In terms of, like, you know, North American cruises to to European cruises, not a huge difference usually. I'm, I'm really struggling to think of an example off the top of my head of where that's changed. So you know, should you expect a lot of changes between what's currently on Explorer of the Seas, and she's in Australia right now, versus what she'll be doing in Alaska? Probably not. I'm not sure it'll be a, a really large amount. I mean, the bottom line is, can you look at a current cruise compass and get a good idea, a baseline, a ballpark idea of what to expect? Absolutely. Should you plan every minute of your cruise based on the current cruise compass? Absolutely not. But I think that you'd be, you know, best served by looking at what Explorer is currently offering, if you can dig up a cruise compass for Australia on Explorer of the Seas and, you know, see what that has, and then just give you a basic concept of it. Now, in terms of an episode about it, you know, Explorer of the Seas was my first Royal Caribbean ship. That was way back in, like, 2006, I think, and so it's been a while, and certainly I've not been on it since The Refurbishment, but certainly maybe if one of our listeners has been on it recently or is planning on going on it, maybe you, Angie, we can have you on to talk about that and kind of share the experience because... The fact that Explorers is going to Alaska is a really big deal because Alaska is somewhere that's traditionally always been the small ships, the Radiance and the Vision-class ships. But now we've got a Voyager-class ship going there, and I think that's a really cool and exciting thing. And it's going to be very interesting to see how well that does and how popular it is. And if we're going to continue seeing you know ships of that size coming in, maybe even bigger ships, who knows? But definitely an interesting thing to take note of. So thank you for the email, Angie. Next up, we have an email from Bill, who writes, I want to thank you for a great podcast. I love the audio format, as my commute is 50 miles each way, and I always look forward to each week's episode. When I first found it, I downloaded about 80 back episodes and listened to two a day for a while. It was a bummer when I caught all the way up. You know, Bill, you're the second person in this email, or this uh, episode, rather, to to say something like that. Sorry. The podcast really helped the depression time between cruises. We're a diamond and crowned and anchor society, and even though we're regular cruisers, we still p- pick up great tips from your show. We have our first back-to-back cruise scheduled in Oasis of the Seas in early 2016 in a grand suite on Deck 10. We've been on both Oasis and Allure before, and after we booked it, my mother-in-law decided to join us for the first half, so we got her a balcony room on Deck 6. Then my sister-in-law and her husband and 10-year-old son decided to join, so we booked them with her her mom in another room and got another room on Deck 6 for her husband and son. My wife and I took a multi-generational cruise with 13 people from my side of the family over a few years ago on Freedom of the Seas, so we have a good idea of what to expect. My sister-in-law and husband took a cruise 15 years ago on another cruise line, and I'm really trying to wow them with Royal Caribbean. My nephew and mother-in-law have never cruised before. We have no children, so I'm kind of lost here. My question is, my sister-in-law would like to be able to locate her son on the ship, and I'm having a hard time finding information about how this can be done. I know walkie-talkies don't work well, and I've heard that the Royal IQ app is hit or miss. The other issue is that a 10-year-old is likely to be very active and not realize he is quote-unquote missing. I want to put her mind at ease and offer some tips and suggestions on how to do this. Is it realistic for to expect a 10-year-old to meet up at specific times at specific locations? Do parents need to have some way to be contacted while on the ship so the child can ask them to locate them? I need some help here. I think it needs to be said, first and foremost, a Royal Caribbean cruise is a very safe environment, right? It's enclosed when, it's, when you're at sea. It's, I think, among the safest places I could think of having my family. And certainly when my kids get older, I would... I think any parent goes through a little bit of anxiety about letting their kids do on themselves, but you know, I'm I think that it would be a situation where I could foresee that. I think there are a couple things you want to probably keep in mind. Number one, have the ten year old definitely take a very strong look at, if not slightly pushed into Adventure Ocean, the kids club there. It's perfect for that age. I think they're going to find it more enjoyable anyway because a lot of the kids that age are going to be in there to begin with. It's an excellent opportunity to meet other friends, and it's the kind of program where it's controlled, it's it's supervised. And I think as a parent, boy, it's the right thing to do. And, and you know, for that age, they're still a little young to be, you know, totally independent, right? They're not like a 13 or a 15-year-old that, you know, is certainly an, already a teenager and, you know, kind of gets some of the things of life and how to, you know, behave in that regard. I would definitely go with that. Use that as your primary way of having the child being able to be on their own to get the parents some alone time, but in a controlled environment. On the other side, maybe you start, you know, I would maybe tell them, hey, how about having a little bit of, you know, alone time, like 30 minutes at a time, right? Very controlled. They have a watch or their phone or their iPod or whatever the case may be, you know, go to the flow rider, go watch them do whatever they're doing on there and be back here in 30 minutes, okay? It's a short amount of time, not long enough to necessarily lose track of time, but long enough that they get a little bit of a break and keep doing that. See how that works. You know, it's almost like that idea, you know, keep giving them a little more slack, a little more slack. And obviously if they if they screw up and, and mess that up, you, a, you know where they're going to be, and B, well, then you know to reign their men a little bit more. I think it's about, tr- you know, I hate to use the word training. It's something that I don't think you necessarily want to uh, associate with children. But, you know, give them that opportunity to get a little bit of flexibility, and that might be the best way to do it. But, again, I think Adventure Ocean is definitely the way to go. It's a wonderful program. It is somewhere I think they're going to make the most amount of friends and really feel a part of the group there. So definitely, definitely, definitely sell them on Adventure Ocean because I think it's really the way to go for a 10-year-old. It's perfect for them and I think they're going to have a great time on there. So hopefully that helps you out there, Bill, and uh, looking forward to hearing your feedback about that as well. And our last email this week comes from Wayne Arnold, who writes, Just finished the Adventure of the Seas podcast, and it was very timely as I'm taking my family on that ship in January. This will be our first cruise in Royal Caribbean, and I just joined the Crown and Anchor Society. My question is, since I've been... Giving the cruise to my only my granddaughter for her 21st birthday and my our son is going, which means Gramps sprung for three cabins and short excursions, and want to know if I can receive points for all three cabins on my membership. If so, how do we go about getting that? Love your podcast and have gone back to the beginning to catch up. Well, Wayne, the answer is you can't. Well, you can't catch up on the podcast. You can't get the points for your other staterooms. Basically, the way it works is you only get points for the stateroom that you actually stay in. This is something that, again, here's the example I give, is let's say I... Matt feeling quite generous buy you a cruise Wayne right so I say here you go Wayne here's the let's say a thousand dollars for you and and your wife to go on a cruise have at it have fun time who should get the points You know, In your scenario, it sounds like you thinking maybe I should get the points, but it shouldn't. You went on the cruise, you get the points. And so when the other two cabins, whoever's in those cabins, get the points for that cruise. So that's the way it works. Otherwise, the system would be a little too flawed and open for exploitation, quite frankly. But it's about how many nights have you been on a cruise ship, not how much you've paid for a a room or anything like that. So hopefully that answers your question there, Wayne. And I think you're going to have a great time. And it sounds like you've got a nice little family trip going there. And Adventure of the Sea, Southern Caribbean... Love that. It's a great itinerary. Definitely enjoy it and make sure you explore some wonderful things to do on shore when you're all all those amazing Southern Caribbean ports. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Of course, I want to thank everybody for their emails and support. And, you know, obviously if you want to have your email right here, we'd love to have your email. I love reading these emails. I love having a little bit of your involvement in every episode. So if you can email me Matt M A T T at royalcaribbeanblog.com you can definitely get your emails read there. And of course, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com, Slash Royal Caribbean Blog. Twitter, we are the RCL Blog on Twitter. And we're also on Periscope, which is awesome and super fun. So join us there as well. We are the RCL Blog on Periscope. And also a huge thanks to all of you who have shown your support and signed up to be a part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders. It's a great way for you to not only help the show, but get even more content, access, events, and really cool products. So to find out more, you can visit Royal Slash Support and Basically, every month that we get people that sign up for the Road of Black like Insiders, I'm going to recognize those folks. So I'm going to do that right now, in fact. So, big thank you to, first of all, our inaugural members, Michael Poole, Sean Wallace, Ray Farrington, Michael Ott, Ron Ladowski, Matt Hintz, Frank Battiston, Don Kahoot, Chris Lepin Christensen, Millennial Cruiser, Jay Fushang White, Patricia Kiernan, Stephanie Zakheim, Elizabeth O'Brien, Daryl Godfrey, Richard Todd, Michael... Jose Peña, Tom Meyer, and Kenneth. And we've also had all even people already in the month of November joining. Calvin Brown Jr., Gerald Donovan, Rich Freudenberg, Brian Dancer, Vanessa Olson, Takesha Latum, Stephanie Miller, John Burns, and Paul Crow. I to all of you. I cannot state and explain to you in words how thankful I am for your support. You've all been amazing in all of this, and the fact that you all decided to jump in, support the insiders from the get-go, it means so much to me. And, I, and I, I'm hoping that others will be able to join us as well because I've got some really amazing ideas I'm working on, some really cool projects, in fact, some things that actually were spawned right on Anthem of the Seas to make this all full circle for you. And it's all because of you guys, the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders. So again, more information about the insiders can be found at royalcaribbeanblog.com support. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg and we'll talk again soon.